Welcome to DOS After You. This month we've joined a group and event called All the Horror, where all kinds of podcasts have joined to make special content in October, supporting each other. On October 1st, I joined Lead Gaming Arena and the Cabinet Podcast to talk about the Slenderman, so be sure to check that and all the episodes before this one. Go to allthehorror18.wixsite.com slash event and also collaborate with merchandising or directly donating to the charity this will all go for, Scares at Care. Support and spread the word. Today we have shown from stories of yours and your, and awesome storytelling podcast with short stories by authors like Agatha Christie, H.G. Wells, Edgar Allan Poe, and also nowadays authors that submit their work. What you're about to listen is the first story of our Patreon movement. A little peek of Dex's past and a job he had somewhere in La Mancha. Yes, in Albacete. Enjoy, and be sure to listen to stories of yours and your. Movement by David Orion Pena, narrated by Sean Ennis. He is young, with not as many wise bones in him as he believes he has. He is on a bus, but that is a constant, the same way his height and eye color are. Some things never change, and Deck Fink Torres, with his knees against his chest on a blue bus seat, is one of them. The scenery is another story. He is just past a field of gigantic white windmills. The kind that sliced through the air as if it were nature's flesh, harvesting the dynamic energy to fuel whatever humankind is up to lately. Electric bills, water bills, food bills, living bills, their origins are always the invisible flesh, the raw strength of the waterfalls, the thrill of atoms and the fire pits that burn the heart of the earth, one that no longer considers fighting against the parasites that keep growing on their back. The wheel keeps turning, and deck follows as the cog he is, always moving, always going forward. If yellow were to taste of something, it'd taste of churned pork, of sunflowers and dry earth. That's what Deck reasons while looking through the window, a vast expanse of yellow and brown, painted here and there in a green that resists the heat, that waits faithfully for water, the same way a child waits for someone to speak at church with the voice they imagine God having, sweet dense and refreshing. The boy knows better than to wait. He knows about movement as well as he knows how easily a blade penetrates flesh and flourishes with sweet, velvet red ribbons. He has a job in a city that for many is just a stop before reaching the Mediterranean, a bus stop made home that is flat and lively. Flatness in a land of mountains is something the Spanish people appreciate, Deck has learned. There are enough ups and downs in life to make home in a roller coaster city, but the flatlands also make him think of his own country, the one he grew up in, even if by blood this yellow paradise is as his as the green, mountainless expanse of the Netherlands. The bus is estimated to arrive in twenty minutes, and so the boy revolves in his uncomfortable seat, feeling for a second movement behind him, someone pulling down the gray plastic cable with more force than needed. He stares at the small towns and lonely white houses that show up in between the yellow sea, looking for empty buildings, for skeletons that show a reality that fascinates him. The abandonment of these perfect little modules in favor of cities that offer nothing but blood and pollution. He always says yes to jobs in small places, even if that means visiting them just once. A part of him envies the promise of the domesticity that his body couldn't even endure, but a promise nonetheless. Lovers and friends for the night usually tell him how marvelous it'd be to flee the city and nest in the country where the earth is hard and sweat 
never truly leaves you, but where life feels real. He believes it is a generational desire, an imprint that 90s kids drank in their sodas, blue gums, or eclectic commercials that now, after almost 30 years, awake and call them to the roots of everything, to the sweet tendrils of simpler, yet rougher lives, so they can give up the praise they've been after since they left their cradles. There are no kind words where one has to survive, but the relief you get to live another day. He remembers the easy days at the commune back in ADM, the strange warmth a mattress on the floor can give, how peaceful it is to grow your own food with the help of your neighbors, surrounded by metal sculptures and colorful bikes. He can see the city now, apartment buildings that come in orange, brown, and white, bridges that come more often to offer shade to the crowded bus, seatbelts that unfasten, creating a chaotic song. He sighs. Blood is calling. That's time to water this beloved yellow earth. He thinks of shoes left behind. He smiles, and the bus stops. He, however, never does. There's a sun made of plastic in a park that never seems to end. Tarrio showed it to him like they had all the time in the world, because from his point of view, they do. What Dario doesn't know is that Deck already knew where Las Sestientas is, and that there's a warm stack of euros in the duffel bag he carries, tucked inside a gray, worn-out t-shirt. What Dario doesn't know either is that as soon as they finish their second tinto, Deck will kiss him goodnight and walk under the cold that Albacete offers every summer when the sun, plastic or not, goes down to a house not far from the old bullfighting arena. Dario speaks of his city like someone that has lived with a dormant hatred for their origins can talk, but no one else would notice how his lips twitch when some squares are mentioned, when old memories are told. The dark glow that feeds Dario's soul as he thinks there are better futures in cities that don't care about him the way his home does is one Deck easily recognizes, and easily misses, when back at his safe house he crosses out another town on the map, one trip only but one trip to almost anywhere in the whole world. Life has a price, and one way or another, it ends up being blood. The house has an alarm, but an easy enough one to crack. The worst kind are those covered in fur or feathers, but Deck did his homework, as Tess likes to put it when she offers him the cryptic info, and the white walls stay silent as the young man slitters in. The colors in the walls may change, the floors come in different textures and shades, but the job remains the same. He adjusts his black latex gloves and thinks of Dario, on how good it'd be to use some of his gloves with him. Time is always something he lacks, but he is well paid for it. Spain is still a strange place for him, a place where he just sits and asks for something cold, and one moment later someone beautiful asks if they can join him, a sig always in hand, and a smile that Deck immediately wants to kiss. Fuh! He stops himself before it's too late. The taste of Dario lingers in his mind and throws him out of balance, just enough to distract him from the white, lush carpet that lies underneath the king-size bed. His prey stirs in his sleep, his sleek profile gently moving to face, closed-eyed, the last person that will touch him. The Patriarch was kind enough to describe him earlier that day to Deck with impeccable precision. He could even spot the mole under the left eye and the slightly discolored scar on the upper lip. A handsome man in his forties, someone important, politically speaking, the kind who runs the world in a blue suit and an ill-fitting tie that reeks of new money 
and hatred for those deemed less than him. The moon spies in the distance the smile Deck offers only to those that won't live to remember it. Blood soaks the white fur, heavy, carrying intestines that fall over from the soft linen bedsheets, and a distinct, warm odor permeates the walls. Deck decides that as long as his gloves are on, he has to make the most of it. He has yet to find an experience as satisfying as slicing through flesh, drawing small, intricate patterns that only his wrist remembers. An inspiration that comes from so deep within him, he hardly understands how he could have lived through 17 years without killing anybody. Some would say it's an addiction. For him, it is a calling. The room stays in the realm of the shadows as Deck cleans his blades, and only then does he assemble the body as the Patriarch asked. He wanted a warning, not only for the town hall, but for the political party. When you mess with those you deemed less, those who know their way in the world better than anyone born into riches, you don't get to see another day. Deck has yet to see a message drenched in blood that fails, although he admits he hardly sees change wherever he's been, just some media attention here and there when the client asks for something gruesome, meaning funnier and flashier than usual, or some threats that only bring him more work. He cleans up after himself with practiced patience and passes through the kitchen once he's done. Media constantly shows serial killers as people marked by trauma, by misogyny, and a sense that the world owes them something. But the media is almost never right, and Deck isn't a real serial killer. He has a job he loves, and so he indulges in one little trophy now and then, the ugliest fridge mag that he can find. He smiles as he hits a jackpot. There's one of a windmill, but not one as depicted in Don Quixote, a white windmill with three blades, as impersonal and tacky as magnets can be. He pockets his new treasure and checks the streets before closing the door after him. When he wakes up, the sun is the first detail he notices. Summer works in Spain in a way that alters space and time for him, and he lets the sunlight bathe his face at nine in the evening. There's still a couple hours left until the bus reaches Barcelona, and he has already slept enough. The fields aren't as golden as in La Mancha, but there's still a hint of dryness in the air as the wheels approach the coast that lingers and satisfies Deck well enough. He takes the small white windmill magnet out of his pocket and passes his thumb over the cheap material. Full of edges dulled with time, he looks up at the blue sky of the country that birthed his mother offers him. The bus moves as the sun goes down, certain there will be another day, another road. Movement is all Deck has known since he escaped a house that almost swallowed him. Movement is what keeps him alive. But maybe, he thinks, just maybe, even windmills ought to stop and rest once in a while. Hi, I'm David Orion Pena, writer and producer of Dos After You and The Voice of Tech. This is an independent podcast. If you want to be part of our community and support it, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash you. Another great and zero-cost way of supporting it is to subscribe, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and spread the word and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening, and remember, record yourself. Seal may be listening.
Do you love a good story? If you do, check out Stories of Your and Yours. I'm Sean Ennis, and each week on Stories of Your and Yours, I narrate a classic short story, adding music and sound effects to bring those stories new life. The back catalog features stories by the likes of Edgar Allan Poe, Kurt Vonnegut, Rudyard Kipling, Mark Twain, Ray Bradbury, and many more. And in addition to classic short stories, I feature original stories by you, the listener. So if you do love a good story, give stories of your, that's Y-O-R-E, and yours, that's Y-O-U-R-S, a listen today. And visit the show at SYY Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to submit your own stories, requests for classic short stories, or just to say hi. That's stories of your and yours, available wherever you get your podcasts.